0: Thank you for listening to the Disrupt Education Podcast. You're here with the host. That's me, Peter Hostrosser. Hey, I appreciate it. If you could just hit that subscribe button, you'll get all the podcasts as soon as they come out. You'll be the first to know. Also, take a look at peterhostrosser.com. When you get a chance, you can take a look at my blog. The podcast will be there. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff there as well. And if you get a little bit more time, take a look at getahallpass.com. Uh, It's my other business with a couple other awesome business partners. We are here to connect academia with reality. Today's guest is Jordan Hawkins Rippey. He's an intercultural trainer, an international education professional, an education diplomacy advocate, a Fulbright scholar, and all around a higher ed enthusiast. This is a great interview. Stay tuned, we'll be back right after this.
1: If you have a child who's passionate about getting into a really great college, you take him to an SAT coach. If you have a child who's really passionate about playing basketball, you take him to a basketball trainer. But if you have a kid whose passion is off-brand or is trying to find their passion and ignite it, you need to take him to Peter Hostrauser. When I was a junior in high school, I began making videos on YouTube something in my small business management class that has never really been done before it wasn't before long that I met Peter Hostrauser the small business management teacher who helped put me on a course of entrepreneurship one of which has been the most uplifting and passionate journeys of my life. Peter is a master at pinpointing passions and opening doors for the youth who need just one correct move to set them in the right direction. He will triple down on their strengths, help them build their network and portfolio, and most importantly, help them utilize these learning points so that they can make money with their passion to live their dream life. I, as well as many others, can honestly say that we wouldn't be where we are without his business and coaching expertise. If you're looking to help your student ignite their passion, contact Peter Hausstrauser, at phostdrauser at gmail.com.
0: The Disrupt Education vlog can be found on YouTube. To hear it in podcast form, search Disrupt Education on any of the following podcast platforms. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Spotify, or Stitcher. Welcome to this episode of Disrupt Education. I've got a great guest today. He's an intercultural trainer, an international education professional, an education diplomacy advocate, a Fulbright scholar, and higher ed enthusiast all around. His name is Jordan Hawkins Rippy. Jordan, thank you so much for being on Disrupt Education.
2: Absolutely, Pete, it's a pleasure.
0: Let's start a little bit going deeper. You have a bunch of titles there. Uh, who are you, man? What, what are you about? What are you doing these days?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So originally, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, Um, born in Delaware, but raised primarily in Baltimore. I started off in a public elementary school and then transitioned to a private all-boy school, the Gilman School. Uh, Went to Gilman from sixth to 12th grade. Uh, Coming from public to private school, that was a big transition for me. Uh, Wasn't necessarily experienced um, in terms of what a lot of the students did in terms of some of their, uh, endeavors traveling abroad, um, you know, summering in different locations. So the acclimating period was, was hard for me, uh, initially, but I kind of found my niche in diversity and inclusion. And so I served, uh, as president of our black awareness club, diversity co-council chair, and kind of found my, my area and space, engaging in kind of multinational and, uh, diversity efforts there on the middle and high school level. When it came time to go to college, I knew I wanted a little bit of a different experience um, than I had in my private school, so I decided to go to Hampton University, and Hampton University is a historically black college slash university located in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, That experience was amazing for me, so I was able to really tap into, you know, who I was um, as an African-American male, where I kind of fit in society, have that not be as ambiguously defined and have a more of a more of a clarified focus on what what that meant to me and so i graduated from hampton with a business management major minor leadership studies may of 2017 um shortly thereafter i interned on capitol hill for a little bit uh june to august 2017 and then i set off for my fulbright in malaysia at the end of uh 2017 so that could be a whole nother conversation of itself, but I taught English in Malaysia from uh, December, 2017 to November, 2018,
0: phenomenally transformative
2: experience. Um, one of the experiences that actually informed my decision to become an international education professional, and then also an intercultural um, trainer. And so now what I do, I work with um, colleges and universities in about a territory of 12 States providing group health insurance on the inbound side for F-1 students, uh, J Exchange Scholars, OPT, and then also on the outbound side for American students who want to study abroad.
0: That's an amazing path, and there are so many stories within there because we've had some conversations before the podcast. Um, Let's dive into a little bit of your education and then the path that led you to that, uh, becoming an, an intercultural trainer and And basically, an international education professional. Um, You know, I think a lot of people think, okay, international education is just going to a country and learning, and that's it. Um, There's a lot more to that. But talk a little bit about that path. So coming out of college, you had some work in D.C. Um, You had a little bit of a different angle coming in. And then all of a sudden, you're like, you know what, this wasn't my fit. Um, Talk a little bit about that path.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, I was a business management major while I was at Hampton, Um, did very well in the corporate environments. A lot of my internships, you know, whether it was PWC or, um, you know, Deloitte or anything else did pretty well in those corporate environments, but there was always something that seemed to be missing in terms of how I unleashed my gift, you know, into the world. And I knew that I had a gift of engaging with these multifaceted individuals. And that's a gift that can be used, you know, in business on the international level. But I wanted to be able to more directly engage with, you know, students directly engage with professionals uh, whose job it was to make make students feel at home here in the U.S., but also have American students get interested in studying abroad as well. And so, kind of prompted, what prompted that change really was. Towards the end of my junior year and towards the start of my uh, senior year, I hadn't heard of Fulbright before. Um, we hadn't had we haven't had a Fulbright scholar in almost forty four years mm. at Hampton University, and so I heavily relied upon the Honors College Department, uh, Dr. Carlton Long and Dr. Sabin Duncan. I'll be remiss if I didn't mention those two individuals because they significantly helped in terms of identifying other Fulbrighters from other, you know, schools that could help me, identifying the resources to help me draft my statement of grant purpose and my, uh, all of my, the rest of my essays, recommendations. And I chose that in particular out of, you know, a wide gamut of other scholarships because what I saw in Fulbright was really the chance to be able to go abroad and culturally uh, engage people that didn't identify as myself. And I knew that if I was going to have a good chance of getting any of these, you know, prestigious scholarships, whether it be, you know, Marshall, Mitchell Rhodes, Fulbright, I wanted to be intentional about how I was using my gifts to uplift and make a change. And so I applied to Fulbright. uh, Thailand at first, and specifically Thailand, uh, didn't get that. I was designated an alternate. So I was kind of, you know, a little shot uh, in terms of my morale <laughs> back in April of 2017. But uh, in August of 2017, I got a letter saying that um, I had an update regarding my candidacy. And with that letter, you know, I hopped on the phone with uh regional director at IIE and they said they wanted to send me to Malaysia and I enthusiastically <laughs> accepted. And so one of the things that, you know, I tried to Try to get out of that. and Try to understand was not to neglect, you know, my corporate experiences uh, prior to Fulbright and prior to being in the international education space, but to really utilize those experiences and to uh, help even other people in the corporate space that might want to kind of get out of the box um, in the corporate grind and do something more along the lines of using their own study abroad experiences if they, you know, had had them. Because I found people had had these study abroad experiences, but they they kind of left them at the door, if you will, when they came back and re-entered into the United States. And so I wanted to get that, you know, get that passion out of them, if you will.
0: When um, you were at um, Hampton, you were working with these two two professors. Is that is that who the the two professors you mentioned? How did you, I just put this out there, and I know it's a little bit off of what what the question I was going to ask, but how did you understand how to network and, and to ask for some some of these you know uh, professionals? Uh, I just put something out on social media today. It was just like, I didn't do that in college. Um, I'm a little bit <laughs> older than you, just a little bit. Uh, but uh, I think that was a huge mistake on my part. And I, I love to hear that story. What was that like? How did you know to ask for, for help or ask uh, uh, an elder to say, hey, help, uh, what are the options that I have?
2: Yeah, so for me, I knew uh, one of my gifts has always been just connecting with people. And so... I know it comes a little easier to me um, than others, but I also had to humble myself in the process—not uh, just in a Fulbright application process, but as I evolved from, you know, kind of a younger adult to a young college student. Mm-hmm. Asking for asking for help became paramount to my success. You know, if I didn't know something, it wasn't for me to sit, you know, in a class. And just say, well, I'm gonna get it somehow and absorb the information through some, you know, crazy osmosis form. <laughs> you know, it, it was one of those things where I had to be intentional about um, about asking and seeking out those resources. So when it came to Fulbright, fortunately, uh, Dr. Carl- Carlton Long he came on campus and presented a lot of these opportunities to us: uh, Rhodes, Mitchell, Marshall, Gilman. Fulbright, um, those type of scholarships. He presented to us and it was incumbent upon us to go to the sessions that he held, whether they be writing workshop sessions on becoming more proficient essay writers, Mm. uh, critiquing our essays, how to solicit appropriate recommendations for those caliber uh, scholarships, all those different things. Um, It was incumbent upon us to go to those sessions. And so I had to make up in my mind uh do i go to these sessions do i pursue you know this phenomenal experience or prepare myself uh, for this phenomenal experience and a lot of the sessions you know were on like saturdays and stuff Mm -hmm. so sunny day and people would be out you know roaming campus and doing whatever and it's like okay well i'm gonna be in this you know kind of small room and (laughs) just going going pouring over you know writing and having peer colleagues critique and um I, but it was it was that I saw something that was, this is something that's important to seeing something that's bigger than yourself, and so going into the process, I knew, okay, my university hadn't had this type of Fulbright scholar in almost 40, 44 years. Yeah, you know, wow. So I knew, I knew, okay, this is if I have a shot at this thing, this is bigger than me. My why was was bigger than the individual Jordan. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that's what what drove me to seek those resources out and network appropriately.
0: That's an amazing. I I know probably that's where I wouldn't have done that. I would have been the dude out on the Saturday lawn, and <laughs> that's probably why. I to do it. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Your so times am like, ah, I, I really have to go, but kind of kept me focused.
0: Um. So now you're you're kind of in. Uh, explain a little bit of what intercultural trainer is. I don't think a lot of my audience really understands what that is, and and. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So intercultural training, um, it's not a field that has been around for a very long time, but it's a field in which some of the the frameworks and theories have been around for quite some time. And so really the aim of intercultural training is to promote intercultural competence, whether it be in the business setting, if a business, business is working with you know, an international team or has an international supplier, uh, it comes in handy there. Expatriates that are relocating from one country to another country, getting them up to speed in terms of uh, different cultural nuances and how, you know, things operate generally within uh, certain environments in that country. Uh, also, it can be used for uh, diplomatic training or, you know, diplomacy training. And then a space that it's becoming uh, prevalently prevalent in is really uh, mission trips, uh, churches that have mission trips, and then also in the higher ed space in terms of using study abroad experiences to help facilitate intercultural competence and have students serve as culture ambassadors once they return from their respective countries. And so uh, what really fascinated fascinated me personally about the field was um, I didn't know it existed prior to this year, actually. Mm-hmm. I knew I had this ability to, like I said, connect with all of these different diverse individuals, but I didn't know that there was actual space where I could train other individuals mm. to engage appropriately and you know develop their cultural competence in such a way that would help them in whatever sense um, or endeavor it would be. And so that's what really interested me and got me uh, involved in the work.
0: Coming up after the break, we dive a little deeper into what Jordan thinks young people should do and how to handle things in COVID as a college student. Stay tuned, we'll be right back with Disrupt Education. I want to take a moment and talk a little bit about Hall Pass Education. The mission of Hall Pass Education is to provide individuals the empowerment they need and desire to be successful in their future business and careers. This empowerment will be achieved via affordable training, coaching, and partnerships. Basically, at Hall Pass, we're going to partner with others like you to demonstrate to creatives the path to career freedom through focused and intensive dialogue and coaching that you might not have previously realized, head over to getahallpass.com and sign up for more. That's getahallpass.com and sign up. It's totally free. Check it out. I love the fact that, that that's a piece, because honestly, for me, you know, we get some students, I'm at the secondary level, and a lot of students will be talking about, yeah, I wanna go into international business, and they don't understand that there is culture behind it, there is language, there's all these different facets to that, um, and now I'll be able to share that with you, so uh, thank you for clarifying that. Um, yes. Yeah. So you are also a higher ed enthusiast, um, so I wanna jump into the disrupt education question of, where, where do you see, what are some of the interesting things you've seen so far in um, you know, in your time as becoming looking deeply into higher ed and where do you see it going? We're in the middle of COVID right now. Um, there's a lot of shift happening. Um, we've been on several conversations uh, with our LinkedIn crews and, and all these things. There's amazing things. Just wanted to kind of pick your brain and say, okay, so what are some of the things you saw before the COVID came out that were cool in higher ed, and and where do you think it's going to go?
2: Yeah, so I'll I'll speak from, uh, I guess, an international education standpoint, since that's kind of the space of higher ed that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to COVID-19, I think there were, we, we saw somewhat of a decline in terms of the enrollments, like for international students in a lot of higher ed institutions, and a lot of that is due um, to things with you know administration, you know, just general politics, if you will, and different laws that are being passed. And so, I think a lot of international education professionals realize that the numbers or the trends, when it came to international recruitment, was somewhat on on the decline, at least as it relates to U.S. higher ed. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about. Uh, I guess post, post or during COVID nineteen, um, it's it's continuing to have kind of a, a downward spiral. I guess in full transparency, but I think people are trying to figure out now how do we migrate onto virtual learning platforms to still uh, have the aim of intercultural exchange um, happen. So you know the aim of intercultural exchange ultimately is having these students you know if it's in a higher ed space having these students having these scholars still be able to facilitate this cross cultural dialogue and to mutually edify one another in such a way that will allow them to conduct business allow them to learn from one another uh, and so forth and so what we're seeing what we're seeing now and what i have seen a an uptick in is having you know, virtual internship programs through a lot of study abroad providers. Um, a lot of business, businesses even are you know, migrating their, uh, their platforms online if they were going to have some type of study abroad in-person program. They're taking it online now and still allowing those students to uh, to work you know, for the chief aim of internationalization and globalization. Um, but it is, I mean, it's a trying time for, for a lot of individuals, you know. The field has been upended in a very unprecedented way. Um, you know, there is certainly a faith that things will be better on the horizon. But I think right now, uh, right now is the time to, to develop our competencies interculturally. And for any study abroad professionals or anybody that wants to study abroad that might listen to this episode, I would encourage them if there's a destination that you want to go to, or there's a specific place or region that you're seeking out uh, in terms of travel, start developing a knowledge now while we're in this, you know, in this thing, because once, you know, travel reopens, you will be fully and adequately prepared to go to that particular place. You know, that's a common, that's a common issue now is how prepared are, You know, students that are studying abroad that are traveling to these different locations, um, even, you know, professionals that are that are in the uh, different business sectors. You know, how how prepared are people traveling to different areas? And I think we can alleviate a lot of that, um, a lot of those issues just by increasing our um, our knowledge now while we have the opportunity and time to do so.
0: In your experience, what are some of the forms that people can start digging deep? Let's say there is a I'm going to speak from a high school kind of lens, uh, but even in a, in a higher ed lens, where are places where people outside of what their their universities are, are providing? Where can they look at, at some of these things? What are some of your suggestions?
2: Yeah, so I would start I would start with uh, organic governmental organizations, certainly uh, U.S. State Department is a great resource. They always have, and they continue to have a wealth of resources about what it looks like to, you know, travel abroad or study abroad. I would also look at the big uh, providers, the big study abroad providers, so you know, CIES, CIEE, Institute of International Education, uh, because they are always, you know, putting out information—not just kind of data—but they're always putting out relevant information for travel that is upcoming, different grants, scholarships that are available. Um, more so on the, you know, something if there are any, anybody listens to this that's on the K-12 level, um, that's not in the higher ed space, I would say looking to see, you know, junior year abroad is is a very popular uh, year to study abroad. So even looking at resources in you know local high schools, if there's somebody who handles travel or somebody that you know who is over the study abroad department, definitely seek those individuals uh, or that individual out so that you can start preparing now while we have the time and availability to do so. Um, and then really just really just utilizing um, the internet as well. I mean. If you have a particular location, you know, say you're a high school student, and you have a particular location you want to travel to. Google does wonders, <laughs> and, and I, I can tell you that as you know, somebody in the field, uh, just being able to Google, you know, study abroad opportunities in, you know, Romania or study abroad opportunities in Australia, what will come up usually are study abroad affiliates, you know, who operate either. Um, here in the u.s or in that respective host country Mm -hmm. or just different opportunities for you know funding and scholarships that will come up as well so all of those things i would definitely recommend i
0: i think in in the schools that i've worked at typically it's world languages are the ones who kind of lead up those travel i know we had some that were canceled at the the school that i'm at right now unfortunately i like your offensive look on this i really like the fact that hey you know what this isn't going to stop we're going to we're going to Go into traveling again. We're going to continue this. Um, I personally went on a trip five years ago with a history teacher. I'm going to give him a shout out, Tyrone Williams, awesome guy uh, at Oak Park in River Forest High School, and it did change everybody's life. And it was just a 10-day EF tour trip. Um, man, I wish people, everybody, would do it at the next level or sometime. And and I, you know, my hope is to get. Uh, find places where we can fund people because I know you know I'm privileged enough to be able to do that Uh, some people aren't um, and we did raise money for that trip to take students who wouldn't be able to so these places are out there and I'm glad that you shared those I'm gonna ask you one last quick question and it's about uh, we kind of talked about a little bit with the high school kids but what would you say to a student who may be a senior or a freshman in college right now? Because I think there's a lot of confusion out there of what's happening with e-learning and such. Um, what kind of advice would uh, a Fulbright scholar like yourself give to uh, these young people right now kind of in that transition phase?
2: Yeah, uh, for freshmen, and I'll, I'll speak to freshmen and seniors now. For freshmen that are you know, entering into their first year, um, it's an exciting time, obviously, uh, a brand new world that you're going to be entered into. Um, you know, the circumstances that are at hand now obviously aren't the most favorable circumstances. Um, but I would just I would just remind any freshman to, you know, stay positive, uh, s- stay diligent in terms of, you know, what it is they want to pursue and really use use this time to, you uh, to self-develop, I would say, you know, there's going to be enough self-development that occurs in the collegiate space, you know, in the personal and the professional realm. But if you're at home right now, and you know, maybe campus, your campus, respectively, has already declared that they might be migrating, you know, online for the fall, or they haven't made a decision and it's up in the air. You know, use this time to get uh, get closer to your your family. You know, use this time to. Um, Get closer to friends that you may want to get want to want to have to get closer to Mm -hmm. before you had left. You know, um, those are things, those vital relationships that uh, you'll always depend on. You know, before you go off, I think it's important to strengthen them if they're weak, and then if they already are strong, reinforce them. Mm -hmm. So I would say that to to freshmen. For seniors that you know are out and it's like almost like the wild wild west in a way because you know the situation has people have you know had different things rescinded in terms of you know offers and and internships and it it truly is a tough time you know i i won't negate that and, and be fully transparent that it's a tough time for all seniors everywhere um but i would say for any seniors to be resilient you know um these are times where you have to be resilient and you have to understand that uh, people have braved these times before. And the people that have braved these times are resilient, innovative, and creative as well. Mm. And so, if you have something, you know, kind of with what I you know, said towards a freshman, if you have time um, to really uh, spend and look inward and see how you want to impact the world. You know, your collegiate experience is over at this point, but really take this time to understand what your next step is going to be. You know, do you want to go straight into a corporate environment? Uh, Do you want to take a, you know, a a gap year, if you will, if you're going to pursue some type of graduate or go into some type of, you know, terminal uh, studies? Mm -hmm. Do you want to kind of, you know, do your own thing and, uh, venture off, you know, the, the beaten path to start a business. You know, now is the time, you know, while while you have it, now is the time to be able to decide that. And I think we don't really get that time as graduating seniors because we're just thrust into the world and, you know, society tells us it's time to find a job, you know, yeah. six months down the road it's time to start paying those loans. If you have them. And So... You know using using that time now time that previous seniors may not have have really had to be as introspective I think is uh, paramount
0: excellent excellent advice um, yeah it is trying times um, so but you know it is a great uh, I like your message of being resilient and you know um, I think a lot of people can do more than they really think they can uh, during these times yeah. so Absolutely. Where can people find you, Jordan? How can people connect with you?
2: Yeah, so I'm on pretty much all forms of social media. Um, my Instagram is at j o r d y n underscore h r. Um, post a lot of motivational, inspirational content on there. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn, just at my my name, Jordan Hawkins Rippy. Um, also, you know, Facebook, pretty much any. Any social media platform, um, I'll accept. I'm not one of those people who, <laughs> who won't accept your request. So definitely connect. I'm on all of those platforms equally, and um, I'm always looking to you know advise and, and counsel people when it comes to study abroad as well. So definitely don't be scared if you want to reach out and just have me as a resource. Um, I'll be there, you know, for you. I'll work with you, set up multiple phone calls with you, and and everything. So.
0: I'm here as a resource
2: for sure.
0: Absolutely. We'll put all that information down below everywhere as well. Thank you, Jordan, so much for being with us on Disrupt Education today, man. A lot of powerful information.
2: Absolutely. Thank you, Peter.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Disrupt Education.